Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. This is the Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal. This is like old school punk, the Southern California scene before it got like all white boy. It was really diverse. It was really interesting. Yeah, it just makes me feel young again. Like it's like, oh, this is some of the shit I grew up on. Mm -hmm. I love it. Punk Rock Bowling is a music festival founded in 1999. Between the daytime festival stages and more intimate late night club shows, it features 100 plus bands over five nights. There's only one festival of its kind, where you can indulge in Las Vegas buffets, bowling, gambling, pool parties, and punk rock shows. Are you ready to get smashed? Get smashed? Smash Mouth was not at punk rock bowling, but Are You Ready to Get Smashed was how they opened their set on Fremont Street thus opening the door for any punks who happened to walk by to mock them later. Anyway, my partner Aaron and I decided to go to PRB because our friends were going. It wasn't peer pressure, it was very intense FOMO. So we made what could have been a stupid decision to venture into the 95 degree heat and listen to three days of punk rock. Now, the friends I went with know all about music. Music history, band names, musician names, song titles. Some even know how to play it, make it, and tour. I play bass, some synth, and some guitar. What bands have you played in? Relevant to this conversation, The Impalers. I I play percussion. Really, any kind of instrument I play, I kind of play it as a percussion instrument. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What bands have you played in? Oh, boy. Congo Shock. They put out a few albums. Another band called G-Wiz. They were a punk rock band. Red Session. They were from Hawaii and moved out here, and I joined them. And then Phenomenauts. Been playing with the Slackers most recently. And uh, let's see, there's a band called Project Pimento I just played with. Sometimes I get to play with uh, Kepi Gooley from the Groovy Gooleys. There's top five or six there. That's just a little taste. I... No, nothing. Wait, Rancid are Clash followers? You don't have a fucking clue. Lars and Tim are fucking Clash guys. Except that I like what I like. My friend Cindy said one time, I like anything that makes me shake my booty. That's me. So I'm in the midst of experts. And they love punk and post-punk and new wave especially. While in this genre, I lean towards ska, ska punk, reggae, and what I recently heard referred to as folk punk. But none of this really matters. Because as I've told my child repeatedly, being punk rock is in your heart. Are you punk rock? No. But I'm like a 90s kid. And in the 90s, kid, if you declared yourself something, you definitely weren't. Can't call yourself cool. You can't call yourself punk rock. Also, I didn't really listen to punk. I was a ska and reggae kid. I feel like I identify with punk rock, but I definitely think I'm more of a metal head. Oh, okay. To me, when I think of punk, I think of 
bucking the system, speaking out against things that aren't right. Punk is a very inclusive, like they're much more for including people in their, you know, I guess in the, the music scene. And what so when I said I identify more as a metalhead, yeah. I think I was going more for, for the music in general. Okay, okay. <laughs> because metalheads, I don't feel are, are in, more as inclusive as punk is. Are you punk rock? Oh, I think a part of me is. I guess it's, it's, it's how you define punk rock. Jimmy and I have always said that Chad is the most punk rock person we know because Chad listens to all kinds of music, including the worst pop music ever. He wears his Yanni t-shirt in public and doesn't give a flying fuck what people think. And to me, that is punk rock. And but I think in, inside me is just sort of like, I'm not the girl that, you know, throws beer cans at people or runs in the mosh pit. But there's something about the music that takes me to a different place in my head. And I love that. Yeah. Ooh, you're going to claim it? I am going to claim it because what does punk rock mean? It means different things to different people. To me, it is thinking and operating one's life outside the mainstream expectations. Yeah. And also fighting for what's right. And fighting for other people. I feel like that's very punk rock. Okay, do the question. Okay, are you punk rock? I'd say yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's an attitude. Knowing what you like and want in life and in in music is just the tip of the iceberg, I think. Mm -hmm. Punk is an attitude, a genuineness of of your own self, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there is a little, there's a little bit of danger in there. Mm. I feel like rock and roll has to be dangerous in some way, and punk rock is just ripe with it. Uh, <laughs> ew, <laughs> or it <ew>. should be. <laughs> it should be ripe with it. There's got to be a little danger in there, or else it's not exciting. It's not punk. No. Are you sure? No, it's weird, Dan. No, I. Is anyone punk rock? Jimmy. Jimmy's his own species. (laughs) Yes. Ooh, okay, we got one. Because to me, punk rock is just about, like, you do what you want to do. Like, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. And, like, Chad is the most punk rock person of all because, like, I came over to the house one day, he's blasting Yanni. Right. Because he just does Chad. Some are hesitant to identify as punk. Because simply claiming it could be decidedly unpunk rock. You better have the scars to prove it. So how did the infamous Chad answer this question? Are you punk rock? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> so I learned some things about punk rock that weekend in Vegas. None of them are about music. They're about defining old punk rockers the alleged weirdest of the weird. And this episode, you're going to get some lessons. Things that are punk rock. Lesson number one, not fist fighting on a plane. I actually, even though we were on a tiny uh, fart tube on the airplane, I had a great time on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we were 
There was a lot of text messages going back and forth. Right. My favorite part was watching Jeremy get teabagged. When I started dripping, I first I said, did somebody bring soup on the airplane? On our flight, I watched brown liquid slowly gather in a crack in the overhead storage compartment and then drip down onto my friends. It took about four disgusting drips for them to call the flight attendant over. She dug around and found a mug up there filled with tea. This is Maureen and Stephanie. I got the brunt of it, but I got some side tea bagging action. I did. I did. But he got most of it. I seriously thought someone brought some tomato bisque. Well, the brown color was very disturbing. Jeremy the Drippy's theory was that there was a container of organs up there. There wasn't, and no one got punched for trying to store a full cup of tea, even if she deserved it. The flight attendant, though, was the best part. She's like, you know, you might want to apologize to them. Did she? Did, yeah, did she? Well, she kind of looked back and, like, laughed and said, sorry. And then Jeremy and I just started laughing because it was ridiculous. at our punk rock lesson number two stay at a questionable hotel in downtown we thought there would be ghosts because obviously people have been murdered by the mob here but unfortunately there was no ghost interaction and you feel like there's no ghosts we do not our room is not haunted but if your room is haunted, I am there. I will be there with my proton pack this evening, and I will be looking for those ghosts. Is your room haunted? It doesn't seem haunted to me. Okay, report back. I will let you know, but okay. our room is fabulous. Yeah, I want to see it. It's going to be filled with snacks. Okay, good. Yeah. There was, however, passed out punks in the hall. We checked in to our hotel room and went to our room, midnight at least what I'm calling the prison wing at the El Cortez is like rooms that face the outside as opposed to an indoor hallway and everything is concrete and there's two rows of rooms facing each other and just down the way across from our room is this guy sitting outside his hotel room in a camping chair, a punker, passed out. I think he maybe even had a cigarette burning in his hand. I don't know. And then a whole stack of beer cans and Gatorade next to him. <laughs> Probably 10 or 12 that first night. As the weekend rolled on, whether he was in the chair or not, depending on the time of day, the stack got bigger and bigger. It didn't, it, they didn't clean it up for at least the first day. <laughs> I feel, yeah. I feel like, we all had such different room experiences at the El Cortez. Like you guys were had the prison wing. And then I feel like we were yeah. in medium level. Somebody definitely died here, but it's been renovated room. And then Cody yep. and Maureen's room was like so swanky. Super swanky. Yeah. So I get they have something for everyone so at the El Cortez. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, we're there. We're in Vegas. Here's what the best parts of day number one were. First, this loud-ass tiki bar. What do you have to say about your first day in Vegas? 
I am having an excellent time, and I highly recommend 10 out of 10 to come to the Frankie's Tiki Bar. <laughs> Don't miss Tiki Bars or Chicago Joe's. And definitely have nacho appetizers before yeah. you have the biggest plates of pasta you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> Tony! Yeah. Tony, what do you have to what, what about? Your first night in Vegas. Oh, I have such a soft spot for Vegas. I love Vegas. Tell us the best part. Uh, the best part of Vegas is uh, being here with all my friends. Is that? It is true. It is true. It is true. I was so excited. To come to see. see everybody and travel together again. Right. Heating nachos as a snackatizer before going for Italian food. We ate well in Vegas. Day two was the best Thai food with the most wonderful and knowledgeable server at Lei Thai. And that leads us to punk rock lesson number three. Be nice to your servers. Our waiter at Snackatizer said this, and then Dawn heard it from her Lyft driver. And our Lyft driver was like, I love Apparently, the punk rockers are much nicer than the people who came for Electric Daisy Carnival the weekend before. That's a dance music festival that is not in my realm of reality. Molly and uh, neon bracelets and I see. laser fingers and, just, yeah, and everyone hugging like each other telling them that the triple yeah, has the whole time. Though it looks much nicer than punk rock bowling. The night before the festival, we went to a club show to see Agent Orange. There were happy, mostly boys, but also old dudes running around in the pit. And it warmed my heart to see them expressing their feelings, twirling around with their arms around each other. I paid $5 for a tiny cup of water at this show, which was the only thing I was drinking since the night before I had announced, I'm drunk, got up, and promptly left the party suite. Should I add water to the punk rock lesson list? That's just a general live your best life advice. Anyway, we left that show pretty pumped about the next three straight days of shows. Day one of the festival, we got our clear bags per the annoying policy and walked over. We carefully crossed the street because as the guy next to me at the crosswalk said, punks don't have good health insurance made our way to the stage and watched approximately 10 minutes of the band Fear before scurrying off to find shade. Maureen, would you like to comment on how you're feeling right now? Hot and bothered. About cover yeah. How about you? Uh, like old and a little bit defeated. <laughs> defeated? In that I only made it... 15 minutes before it felt like I'd been here all day. A lesson was learned that day about what time is appropriate to stand in 95 degree heat with no shade, and that time is no thank you o'clock. We stayed sweating and eating snow cones to be able to see the slackers who made it all worth it. 25, 26 years.
Next lesson, punks take care of each other. The fact that I made it back from Vegas means somebody kept track of me. But even at the show, let me give you an example. There was this chick passed out for so long on the ground that the back of her legs were getting crispy in the sun. So I asked around for sunscreen and rallied with two other women to wake her up. And then all the ground layers got a douse of sunscreen that I got from Punk Saves Lives. So what made me walk over to the booth was the fact that I think you were the one who told me that's where you got the sunscreen from. Yes. So I went over there and get some, uh, actually some earplugs too, and then um, some sunscreen. I just started talking about their mission and like what it is they do. Um, just more of being a presence at the shows and just being there for the community. So, you know, focus on wellness and, and care in the punk community. And so I, you know, when we got back to the hotel, I went back and I, you know, um, had my downtime. <laughs> and I went on the website and uh, signed up for a volunteer position. Got it, got it. And it looked like it was a lot of, like, harm reduction. Actually, I did actually talk to them about harm reduction, and they said that that's actually the booth next door. Right, and I think they had, like, a big bin of Narcan over there. They did. They had Narcan, uh, fentanyl test strips. Um, both booths had plenty of, like, condoms and all sorts, you know, things like that, but the harm reduction booth was more in uh, that type of harm reduction with Narcan and the fentanyl strip. You can go to punkrocksaveslives.org to learn more and volunteer. But here's Stephanie's other experience that weekend, taking care of each other. I was coming out to meet everybody and about two doors down, I see this woman laying on the ground, you know, in the hallway, like in the afternoon, um, I go over there and I tap on her. She's not responsive. I tapped on her again, not responsive. So I tapped on her a little bit. You know, I didn't grab her thing. I just kind of pressed a little bit harder on the tap. And she kind of moved around and stirred and made some, like, moaning and groaning noises. And I kept asking her, are you okay? Do you need help? Are you okay? Do you need help? Couldn't get any response out of her. And while I was in the hallway, this guy came out of the room that she was actually laying in, uh, next to. And he asked if we were okay. And I told him, I said, you know, I just came out of my room. She's been laying in the hallway. I don't know for how long. And I said, she's not really super responsive. And so he's a big guy. He helps me kind of sit her up. And we were like, do you know where you are? Do you know your name? Are you okay? And she could not hold a sentence to save her life. Mm. Um, so we kept asking her, are you staying in this hotel? We saw that she had a wristband on. We tried the wristband of the room on the room that she was laying in front of. It did not open that door. Um, she had in her hand a um, do not disturb sign. that looks like she tried to get, like, tried to open the door handle and the do not disturb sign just kind of came off in her hand. Oh so we assumed gosh. that she was in that room that she was in front of. Finally, she kind of came to a little bit and said, "Are you, do you know where you're staying? And she kept saying she was on the 1700 floor. <laughs> so he and I decided that, like, you know, we were, didn't want to leave her alone in the hallway because she's a woman and she's at this punk festival and, you know, we don't know, we, we didn't know who was in the hallway, right? Sure. We don't want to leave a woman laying down in the hallway. Yeah. Um, so he and I both agreed that we would go downstairs and um, first we were not going to tell security because he felt bad that they wanted her to get kicked out. But at the end of the conversation, we both felt that that was the right thing to do was to let security know because that way if she needed help, she could get some help. Right. Stephanie saw her upright, alive, and walking on our final day. So everything turned out okay. 
is all about fucking teamwork, which is most exemplified by the second part of this festival. It's punk rock and bowling. Jimmy Boom recruited a team of four bowlers who even practiced for several months beforehand. They had to show up at 9.30 a.m., which aside from my lack of skill is the reason I won't do it. But they had a ton of fun. Here's Liz. Um, wow, what did I do yesterday? <laughs> well, I bowled. You did! You bowled. That was probably my favorite, one of my favorite parts so far was the bowling. It was so much fun. Such camaraderie with their team next to you. There was an all-girl team next to us. They were, forget about the Sex Pistols album title. Mm-hmm. Album title? The Bollocks? Forget about the Bollocks. Here come the... Sid Vixens, right? Sid, Sid Vixens. Vixens. Sid Vixens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their t-shirts looked just like the album cover, and they were the nicest women, and they, had, they were oh, so I much fun. And I drank probably way too much, and I didn't bowl great. But it was super fun. If you score in the top 32 teams, you come back on day two for a bowl off. Here's Cody getting their first day results. You guys did good. 36. What? You didn't make it. Yeah. We missed the cut. That's so close. So close. That sucks. Can you do it again? Next year, yeah. Your consolation prize is we don't have to wake up early. I know, that That's is the true. consolation That's the prize. Best prize. 36th out of 117 teams is pretty damn good to me. I fucked it up, Abby. We were 25 points away from the finals. I easily fucked up 40, 50 points. Yeah, we would have totally made it. Now, that means we would have had to wake up early again the next morning, which I don't know if that could happen. That second night, we went to a club show at the downtown Grand Hotel pool deck. The night air was a perfect 70 degrees. The rooftop pool was lit up, and the big round yellow and teal seating gave a welcoming vintage vibe. There were two stages set up, and you could easily float between them. I think, honestly, the pool party yesterday with all of those great bands, the Skins, Bedouin Sound Clash, and of course, Rael's Agrolite's backing. It just felt so good to just be like, oh, I'm just going to stroll a little bit over this way by the pool and watch that band. Yes. Now I'm going to stroll a little bit over this way, the other way, and on the main stage and watch this other band. It is also reggae and beautiful and ah, it was magic. Oh, so there are multiple bands playing at the same time? No. Oh, no. They would just switch off. Little stage, big stage. Got it. Um, And it was just like good reggae vibes Mm -hmm. and all my reggae friends were there and it was so fun and I then I had to get up at almost one in the morning and go to another fucking show yeah it was magic but here's the thing about the night shows there's like five every night and if you're brave and motivated like Liz and Jimmy you go to one at 11 p.m and another at 1 a.m but that fucking show was the fucking breeze am I allowed to cuss yes okay the fucking briefs, which are like one of my favorite bands of all time, and they did not disappoint. They played in a shitty ass club. You could tell they hated it, <laughs> uh, but it was super fun. We saw some people we knew, and we danced our asses off. And we introduced the briefs to Vic Ruggiero and Lauren, who had never seen them. Right? No, Vic, who had never seen them. 
and he was very impressed. It's like giving a gift to someone it else. Is. And you're like, here's it the is. thing. Yeah. Especially when they look at you and they're like, oh, I get it. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it. <laughs> Introducing people to music they will love is just the best feeling. So there was a lot of awesome bands, but I would recommend my discovery, The Skints. Chill reggae, fun, and very talented. Instead of going to the pool party, Maureen and Cody went to see Alice Bag. Here's her offering to you. Actually, yesterday, meeting Alice Bag was my favorite part. Yeah, okay, yeah. tell me. Well, she was, like, the bags, her and Patricia Morrison were, like, and then uh, Exine Cervanka were, like, my three, you know, punk rock icons as, like, a young, <laughs> young goth indie music person. But, you know, they were older. They were all a few years older, so I missed that scene. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I always loved them and totally worshipped them and forgot about the bags. I never forgot about Patricia Morrison or X, but then rediscovered them again, like, maybe 10 years ago. So I was like, oh, this is what I saw at the club show. I'm like, this is going to be great. Plus, it's a secret show. I'm sure it'll be somebody cool. So, yeah, so getting to talk to her was fucking awesome. That she was, was the so, highlight. She was so sweet. She was so down to earth and just like, oh, yeah, this is like, this is like old school punk, the Southern California scene before it got, like, all white boy... Uh-huh. It was really diverse. It was really interesting. Yeah, it just makes me it makes it makes me feel young again. Like it's like oh, this is the sh- some of the shit I grew up on. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And she's badass and a feminist and super queer friendly and trans friendly and so outspoken and is like constantly fighting the patriarchy. And I love her. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping the faith after mm-hmm. all these years. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Old punk rockers are still pissed about the state of the world and have things to say about it. And they're pissed about all the small wrongs that contribute to systemic problems. As an example, here's what happened at the Alice Bag show. They start playing and it was great. And about 10 minutes into the show, her drummer started talking about queer rights and trans rights and how important, you know, punk rock has always been to politics and mm-hmm. how important it is for people to actually make change and to gather in spaces like this that are safe and it was a little weird because alice actually like let them talk but then said hey you know like that's great but uh i've just been told that we need to move it ahead (laughs) so we're going to skip forward because we need to make way for the headliners she played two more songs so i think they were only on stage for like 18 minutes i mean it was barely 20. yeah we we're like, well, that was weird because she was one of the mentioned headliners. When the curtains opened, it was me first in the Gimme Gimme's. And everyone in the crowd had heard that it was going to be the damned. And it, you know, sort of spiritually went along with that crowd as well as the fact that this was probably the most diverse crowd I'd seen at all of the punk rock bowling. It was definitely the queer crowd. There were a lot more brown people there. There were just a lot of women that were there um even penelope houston from the avengers was watching and so like seriously when this started people were shocked and then half of them just turned around and left and i went to talk to alice and she gave me the story which was that um dave vanian had a migraine so they had to cancel at the last minute me first and the gimme gimme's decided to fill in and the organizers of the show first asked alice to cut it from an hour to like 40 minutes and she was like okay and then to 30 minutes and she was like well that's kind of terrible because I have all of these bag songs that we've practiced and I was going to do a special set for the show 
the bags being her original band from LA. Then apparently as she was going on stage, they said something like, well, you've got five minutes. And she was like, we haven't even started playing yet. And um, during the concert, which I noticed there was like one of the organizers off to the side, like tapping his watch, which is why she cut it short at 20 minutes. Um, but uh, you know, that was bullshit. Because she was the one advertised. Right. <laughs> it was the secret guest was announced and canceled the same day. So yeah. But the pro that she is, she handled it with a plum and more calmness than I probably would have had. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, I don't, you know, I didn't look at the whole club list, but only twenty five percent of the bands at punk rock bowling were like female led. So kind of to, yeah. to treat this one, this one. <laughs> like this and the audience that had been to see her like that sucks yeah i mean not only that she's punk rock royalty you know she's from the la punk scene she's latina so not just women led but also mexican-american right maureen and cody were frustrated and disappointed but she got to talk to alice bag and get a cute picture and i got her oh. a sign and i have a cute picture with us together and that was fucking rad that's rad On our final day, we went to the festival as the sun was setting and saw Face to Face and The Damned, which was awesome. And we didn't have a night show to go to. So our final night adventure leads me to punk rock lesson number five, make your own fun. Jimmy led our ragtag group through downtown, weaving in and out of slot machines to the D Hotel. He was promising us vintage games, and though we had no idea what this meant, we follow his good time attitude wherever it goes. And in this case, it ended at a mechanical horse racing game, the last of its kind, the Sigma Derby. Do you want to say what the fuck you're doing right now? I'm horse racing. You're what? Horse racing. Horse, horse racing? Yeah. Hundred dollars and quarters. Fuck Bluey. Hundred dollars and quarters. You didn't see that? I didn't oh, see that. Oh. I don't think Bluey's gonna come through for you. <laughs> come on, Bluey. Five little metal horses run around the track, and you bet a quarter on which one you think will win. Number five, the slowest of the bunch, was lovingly named Gluey. He's coming in. He's oh, coming in. in. One in five, one in five. I got it. Yeah. Nice. You believed in Gluey. That was Louis. my first winner. Entire night. We've been yeah. here like two hours. Yeah. That's the first time I won. How does it feel? I won 50 cents. How does that feel, Jimmy Boom? <laughs> I won 50 cents. It feels like 50 cents. It feels like 50 cents? <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it like doesn't. A a it feels like a dollar. A dollar. It feels like a dollar. Yep, we were there for at least two hours and we're having so much fun or being so loud that a crowd gathered. Some youngsters asked me if we were filming a TikTok. Uh, no, this is what real life as an old don't give a fuck punk rocker looks like. <laughs> oh! Oh! Nobody won any real money. Even the ones that were working those 200 to 1 odds on ponies 2 and 5. But afterwards, we were still laughing about how fun it was. In fact, Glenn's favorite part of the weekend, as someone who actually played the festival... 
Yeah. Your favorite moment in punk rock bowling? Gluey. 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 What can I say? Sometimes adults are like little kids playing with cardboard boxes. We don't need a lot to be entertained. We ended the night at Circle Bar. That's not its actual name. I can't tell you its real name because then you'll be able to find it and its punk rock mystique will be lost. And here, on my final night out on the town, conversations turn toward the ridiculous or embarrassing or authentic because it's after 2 a.m. and you're drunk or high on the Sigma Derby. I poked at Jimmy, who's a longtime professional musician, to explain what makes a legendary lead singer. I'm a drummer. I don't fucking know how to do that shit. You You gotta be an asshole with an ego and a bunch of shit. All right, number one, an asshole with an ego. Jimmy is currently being delivered a rum and coke he doesn't need, and this is my vocabulary. How do you be like cool and magnetismic? There's nothing. You're born with that shit, man. Really? Yeah, look at Vic. We yeah. just hung out with Vic, right? Yeah. There's no, no. It, yeah, like. Vic is the lead singer for the Slackers, who Jimmy sometimes plays with. You're just born with it. There's some raising, too. There's there's the nature versus nurture. Yeah. But it's all part of the deal. Like, he didn't just come out like that. He also grew up in the Bronx. He got the tough guy attitude, the accent, all the shit. Yeah. And, yeah, his swagger and his accent and his musical skills and all the other bullshit about him make him who he is. But you couldn't put any other fucking idiot in that position and expect them to do that thing, right? We went and saw Duran Duran. Liz is a fucking huge Duran Duran fan. And we went to the show, bass player fucking walks out on stage. I'm like, I get it now. That guy's got it. He's got the swagger. He's got the fucking look. He's got all the shit. He just walks out and you're like, oh, fuck. Watch the fuck out. Same thing with this uh, guy we watched the other night, Daniel Ash. We went and watched the Bauhaus. Guitar player comes out and I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? All these other guys can fucking shut up. That's the fucking guy right there. Yeah. It turns out he's the lead singer of Love and Rockets. Yeah. So it's just in your nature, but also how and where you grew up. Nurture. You can just feel it. That guy's got it. You want to watch. We talked about the dichotomy that creates a lead who is both boundlessly cool, but also somehow feels like they could be your friend. Like maybe you could hug them and they wouldn't like it, but would probably hug you back. Right, yeah, like they're not like- They don't wanna hug you. Jared pipes up here, and he's actually the lead singer and main songwriter for the band The Hot Takes. He's also suspiciously more articulate than we are. I mean, I, I don't think I quite have that thing that you're talking about. I think I come close, but not not quite. But the funny thing is, I those that this. have it, they don't fucking know it. I will say right? that playing 
music allows me to express a part of myself that I literally cannot express in any other, other way. way. Yeah. Right, right, right. And that's why I don't, like, I find it so enjoyable. Part of the reason I find it so enjoyable. Right, right. It's just, I don't know, it's like, it is, it's a part of my personality. It's not like something manufactured. It's yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. It's the only way I can get it out that I found today. He had more interesting thoughts about expressing yourself through music, but alas, the circle bar has gotten too loud. The ridiculous conversations with semi-strangers continued with an amazing story about getting pulled over with 100 pounds of weed in your car. Girl, if you hear this, call me because you got to tell that one on the show. And Vicky, who recently went on a Judge Judy style show called Hot Bench. Mine is basically I sued someone. And it's something really stupid. It's basically someone hit my car. You'll have to tune into Hot Bench to hear the rest. That's a punk rock bowling weekend in a nutshell. We would definitely go again, though maybe allocate our energy differently. After one year, this is how I think you do the punk rock bowling festival. You skip the festival, you only do club shows, and go hang out at night, and then take lots of naps. Because we learned some things, and now you know some things about old punk rockers too, like not fist fighting on a plane, yes to staying at a questionable hotel, being nice to your servers, taking care of each other, and making your own fun. Oh, and also, fuck the man. And fuck racism and homophobia. Fuck racism and fuck homophobia. Fuck the religious right. Patriarchy and sexism. Okay. Fuck that. Fuck egos. That I think is probably the worst part of all of fucking humanity, right? Fuck white supremacy and fat phobia and capitalism. Dogmatic, dogmatic thinking um, in all places, whether it's um, religion or the Super Bowl. I mean, like, it's all the same to me. Okay, I right. very sparingly direct the F word in any way. Right. I mean, I will say it. So I viscerally am upset by child abuse. Mm -hmm. I think it's my number one thing. Can I just say all the isms? Because they all <laughs> Ultimately, being punk rock means being yourself, not being perfect, not trying to fit in, and not curse words. This episode is dedicated to my most punk rock friend of all time, Cindy Chi Sipman, who was never far from our thoughts. We caught glimpses of her in little red bandanas tied atop heads, in the feet work of happy skankers. We heard her in laughter so loud and free you turned to get in on the joke, in the clear and vibrant voices of talented singers. But most of all, we felt her in the moments we hugged each other, leaning in for just that extra second remembering that she brought us together. And her legacy is this community and having a fuck ton of fun. I absolutely went through a goth phase and I was itty bitty, so fucking plaid skirts galore that was like my uniform for like two years of my life mine were so fucking short 
they were, as Starla lovingly referred to them, as uh, pleated belts rather than skirts. <laughs> <laughs>